if athletes know their body, we ask questions around, um, do you ever see white salt marks on your skin? Do you get many muscle cramps? Do you feel your sweat rates low, moderate, high or very high? And in that, in that picture, we can, we can make a rough and ready estimate, which is not as good as having an actual sweat test, but it's, it's a vast amount better than just shooting in the dark, which is what people do most of the time. That Triathlon Show, episode 49. Hello, what's up everybody? Welcome back to That Triathlon Show, the podcast presented by scientifictriathlon.com. I'm your host, Michael, and uh, I'm a bit under the weather today with a, a bit of a cold, as is typical for a Finnish July, which is when I record this intro. Uh, but uh, it's all good because the interview that we have is uh, long, so I'll keep it short and sweet with this intro. My guest today is Andy Blow, who is the founder of Precision Hydration, a company that creates electrolyte solutions uh, that... Uh, triathletes can use and endurance athletes can use to get their electrolytes that they need based on their individual requirements. And Andy is a former elite triathlete himself and essentially he scratched his own itch after suffering a lot from from cramping and uh, and just uh, lack of sodium as it turns out especially in long course racing. So we'll talk about things like why sodium is such a critical component of your hydration strategy and the massive variance in sodium requirements between individuals that results in there being no easy one-size-fits-all solution. However, Precision Hydration has a free online sweat test that you can take to determine with, with good accuracy what your own individual sodium needs are. And we, of course, the bulk of the interview is actually how to take that knowledge into practice and apply this in your hydration, in training and racing, and uh, in your hydration loading, if I can call it that, before races, and all sorts of other things. So I hope you enjoy this interview. Let's jump in and meet Andy Blow. All right, so today's interview on that triathlon show is, or the interviewee, I should say, is Andy Blow from Precision Hydration. Hi, Andy. Welcome to the show. Hi there. Thanks for having me on. And uh, yeah, it's uh, great to have you. And uh, you you are recording from from mobile phone in uh, on on the road towards uh, London, a cycling event in London. Was that Ride London? Was that what yes. Was yeah, we're we're heading to Ride London this weekend. There's a big uh, cycling ex- expo before the event, and great chance to meet a lot lot of um, customers, a lot of athletes that we're supporting. So yeah, really looking forward to it. Actually, although the weather's not hydration weather at the moment, really, it's kind of wet and raining. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, it will improve before the ride goes off on Sunday. Hopefully so, but as we'll get into in this interview, there's still a reason to to hydrate and be quite particular with what you have in your in your bottle as well. Uh, but before going into that, uh, just give us a really brief background of yourself and how you came to found Precision Hydration. Sure. Um, so I started out. I've I've got two routes of interest into it. Really, I was a I, I 
did study sport and exercise science with a, a kind of a leaning towards exercise physiology when I was younger. And I got a BSc in sports science from the University of Bath um, in the late 1990s and early 2000s. So I had a you know an interest in, in all things to do with performance and human physiology then. But I was also a, a triathlete and I raced uh, an elite and sort of semi-professional level for a few years. And one of the, one of the big things that I learned when I was racing, I made a lot of mistakes with hydration, especially in in hot weather and in the heat, and had had lots of lots of issues as as a result. And all of that combined, plus working with some athletes, um, particularly athletes in motorsport, actually who had hydration related issues, eventually led me to put everything that we do now together into a business, uh, which is Precision Hydration. Yeah. So. Uh what were those problems that you had had in your races can you go a bit into more detail on that yeah yeah i am um, when i was racing short distance races and especially in cool conditions i rarely had problems and i i kind of felt like i could race to the limits of my fitness and other and my technique and general ability so there was no nothing specific holding me back other than um how fit i was and how well prepared i was when when I then jumped up to race longer distances and especially in when I went to hot races in either you know America or Hawaii or Thailand or places like that, I found that something else seemed to be limiting my performance because I would, I would often break down in races. I would get lots of cramps. I would feel very, very ill, very nauseous and just generally unwell and, and have a really horrible time and quite often end up in the medical tent. So it took me a long time to figure out what it was and it was a it was a combination of over drinking drinking too much water and too many sports drinks with not very much electrolyte in them and and also uh, the fact that i sweat a lot i have a very high sweat rate and as it later turned out i found out i have a very high concentration of electrolytes or sodium specifically in my sweat yeah so uh, when you found it out or probably by partially by coincidence and started increasing that sodium intake did uh, you find that your performances then started to improve again and you didn't have those cramps and issues very much so it was i would describe and i have described to other people the difference for me was like the difference between night and day it was so dramatic it i when i started to be more aggressive with my sodium intake in long distance races then i could keep going at full power I, I felt a bit like i used to when i was racing short course in that the limitation on my performance was how fit and fast i was not some kind of nutritional or other or, or other issue so it was a real game changer for me yeah so why is sodium so important in uh, endurance performances well the thing about sodium is that it's the main electrolyte that's implicated in your blood volume and your fluid balance and also muscle contraction and cellular communication. So when you, when you sweat, you, you obviously lose water and fluid onto the surface of the skin and that fluid comes from your blood plasma and your blood plasma is very salty. So if you, if your body, if you just sweated out, you know, blood plasma, it would it would be very salty indeed. And that's in fact what sort of happens with people who have cystic fibrosis, which is a genetic disease. They their sweat glands can't reabsorb electrolytes um, uh, either very well or in fact in some cases basically at all. So they lose loads and loads of salt. Um, people without CF, the rest of us, the kind of non-CF population, we reabsorb some of the sodium and electrolytes when we 
when we sweat at, at the sweat gland before the sweat leaves the skin and that helps conserve it in the body but we all do that to a varying degree and so that the amount of sodium that you lose um in, has has knock-on effects to how well you maintain your hydration status how well your muscles can contract and so on and so forth so it it's that sodium is is kind of definitely the, the key electrolyte in sweat and yeah it's the one that's lost in the largest and most variable amounts so can we pretty much ignore the others because uh i i know and you know that there are things thrown out uh at times about cramping being caused by magnesium maybe that's out of fashion these days but but magnesium and other electrolytes have also been at some points implicated in endurance performance but is it pretty much proven now that sodium is the one electrolyte that we just need to focus on i think yeah i think in in a sense yes and and that sense is that if you're talking about electrolytes that are predominantly lost through sweat so if you're trying to say if you're saying that what's the what could be caused by sweating like what problems could be caused by sweating like in terms of electrolyte balance you lose ma mainly sodium in your sweat it's around the 90 of all the electrolytes you lose in your sweat are sodium the rest are a mixture of potassium calcium magnesium and so on um, and the thing is if you're deficient or you have imbalances in any of those electrolytes i think it's plausible there could be problems with cramping. So so we certainly come across people who've said that they've had cramping issues and then taken magnesium supplements and that's helped them. But it's more likely, I, th I think, that if you're getting problems related to electrolytes other than sodium, it's more because you may have a dietary deficiency or you may have low levels of those in your body anyway. You may be not absorbing them very well if you are eating them. So when you're talking about you know sweat loss and electrolyte related issues almost exclusively it's going to come down to sodium loss yeah okay and just piggybacking on that question on why sodium is important just to make it very clear you mentioned uh hyponatremia and uh and muscle contraction are those the two things that are that you risk uh, having if you lose too much sodium or are there any other things and to what extent do these these things occur yeah so hyponatremia is a very interesting and a, co a complicated one and it's one that gets debated a lot because a lot of hyponatremia is caused more by people drinking too much and diluting their sodium levels in their blood rather than by them losing a lot of sodium the people that lose a lot of salt in their sweat are and i'm in that group and um you know we've, we've tested a sweat tested a lot of athletes over the years who fall into that group there's a kind of tipping point at which sodium loss also comes into the equation as well um, no one knows really yet exactly where that tipping point is but essentially if you're losing sodium and fluid at a very high rate and only putting low sodium or or fluids or water back in you reach a, a tipping point for diluting your body a lot sooner than someone who's sweating out more dilute sweat so both both of those things sort of sort of apply if that if that makes sense the with regards to other issues that that low that low sodium levels cause the main one really is contraction of your blood volume because when you're exercising the the amount of sodium in your blood your body's trying to balance it and if you lose a lot of sodium one one way that your body can balance the um, level the concentration of it in the blood is to allow you to lose fluid and your whole blood volume contracts so your blood volume stays at the right saltiness but 
the whole volume of it drops and that makes it harder to pump around the body it gives you less of a reservoir to then sweat out further and compromises your cardiovascular performance which is obviously preferable to keeling over and dying which is what happens if hyponatremia gets very severe but it's not compatible with doing your best performance in an Ironman or something. So it's that it's, it's, it's always a, a bit of a fine balance on keeping your blood volume up. Yeah. Keeping your muscles contracting, obviously not getting hyponatremia, but at the same time, not just overdoing fluid and salt. Great. Okay. That's a perfect summary. And, uh, so how then do you know how much sodium you need to take? Uh, I guess it's not a one size fits all problem, is it? Definitely not. And that's where that's the angle we're coming at it from, really, with, with precision hydration, because I found that for me, I, I followed the standard guidance at the time in the you know late 90s, early 2000s of what you should be taking in terms of electrolytes and fluids. And it was a lot of it was about drinking fluids mainly and a little bit of electrolyte, which can work for people who have very low sodium output in their sweat. Um, the difference we see in people's the, the amount of salt that people lose in their sweat is is gigantic so some people can lose 200 milligrams of sodium per liter of sweat and some people can lose over 2000 so there's kind of a tenfold difference and then you multiply up the differences you see between individual people's sweat rates and we see up to a five or six fold variance in individual sweat rates the actual difference between in net sodium loss and net fluid loss between two people in the same conditions can be massive and and really how how you work out what you need is is as much an art as it is a science because you, it's it's the whole picture of how your body manages sodium and fluid balance is very complicated there's a lot of variables involved but i think when you're when you're doing endurance sport the main ones are you know how well hydrated and how um, well topped up with electrolytes are you when you start the event you've kind of got your reservoir then and then at what rate are you losing them and and that's that's how much you're sweating in terms of fluid volume how much sodium you're losing in that sweat and then how much you can physically get back in to compensate for those losses and there's you don't have to put in as much as you're losing because the body can tolerate a drop in fluid a drop in electrolyte levels to a degree and still perform very well but it's you, it, it inevitably ends up in a bit of scientific investigation at first to find out what your numbers are like in terms of fluid loss electrolyte loss and then some trial and error in the field to say right well if i replace x amount per hour or per per unit volume of fluid that i drink how does my body respond to that it, so that may be a very long-winded way of trying to answer that question but it's it's kind of knowing the inputs and outputs and then having to play around with those numbers and figuring out what you can get in to replace what you're losing yeah and to put it in in short then you need to know your numbers that's the sweat rate and the sweat sodium content and the sweat rate we actually talked about this on a, on a recent episode with uh, jesse kropelnicki uh, and uh, well he suggests maybe just trying in races to see how many how many bottles you need to drink so that you pee on the bike but another way that we also talked about is just going out for an hour or two hours and just calculating how much fluid you take in and then you weigh yourself before and after and, and see the difference so that's pretty straightforward you can yeah. calculate the the volume of fluid that you lose per hour that way but what about the, the sodium the sweat sodium content how can you fa find that out 
so yeah that's that's a lot of what we focus on so we definitely advise athletes and we work with athletes to measure their sweat rate and you know you measure your sweat rate in a few different conditions environmental conditions a few different exercise intensities and modes of exercise you know biking running you build up a, a picture quite quickly of what your sweat rate's like then you, your sweat sodium concentration one of the good things about it is that it's relatively stable and fixed for you although it varies a lot between people all of the testing and analysis that we've done with athletes and some of the literature out there supports the idea that it's not a number that fluctuates dramatically so i mean i to give you an example the i'm i lose around about 1800 milligrams of sodium per liter of sweat which is on the very high side and whenever i've been tested uh, you know in different different months different training phases and over a period of many years that number is not not deviated by more than about five or eight percent so that's kind of a, a fixed figure and the way we test sweat sodium is we use a piece of diagnostic equipment that is used in 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 um, the medical field to help diagnose cystic fibrosis and it stimulates the sweat glands on the arm we take a small sweat sample and then we run it through an analyzer to look at the electrolyte composition and that gives us a really good ballpark number on what your sodium loss is going to be like yeah, and then you, I actually, I was stalking your website, of course, to prepare, and, and you have a sweat test there as well that uh, can give you a more rougher ballpark, but but still an estimate. And uh, do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, that's a really good that's a really good place for people to start with this process because actually, a lot of athletes who train a lot and compete a lot know their bodies quite well, and we've put together a series of eight or ten questions and as part of a questionnaire that that's available online at, at our website precisionhydration.com and you answer them and it gives you a report which suggests whether you're likely to be a low a medium a high or a very high fluid and sodium loss athlete and then gives you some strategies to try off the back of it to see how you get on and what we've done we've been doing that for four or five years now we have a lot of data from from athletes who've done it and we've compared it with a lot of athletes who've done proper sweat tests as well um, we find that actually if athletes know their body we ask questions around um, do you ever see white salt marks on your skin do you get many muscle cramps do you feel your sweat rates low moderate high or very high and in that in that picture we can we can make a rough and ready estimate which is not as good as having an actual sweat test but it's it's a vast amount better than just shooting in the dark which is what people do most of the time yeah uh, here's a kind of a, a tangent but uh, maybe something that you might be interested in doing if you're not doing it already when you have athletes come in and uh, and and do the testing with the cystic fibro fibrosis uh, related equipment that you have yeah. do you ask them the same questions because that way you could uh, build up the the algorithm to kind of exactly match or, or be, become very accurate with those questions or do you use intuition uh, yeah. to form those questions yourselves no 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 we have exactly the same question set so the questions that you get asked when you do our online test are the same as you get asked when you do our advanced sweat test and you're right the algorithm we've we've used all those thousands of data points to help refine it because it ultimately what that algorithm is trying to do is estimate your net sodium loss which is which is in effect a a factor of your total sweat volume output multiplied by the sweat concentration and with the sweat test we get the sweat concentration without it we can almost take a guess at it by the way you answer some of the questions but then your total sweat volume output is mainly going to be driven by your sweat rate the amount of hours of activity you're doing and the environmental conditions that it's in so 
we've we, yeah we've we and actually our algorithm you know is always being tweaked ever so slightly because we we review the data quite often and i think it's got better over the years it's still not perfect and i don't know that it ever will be but it's the great thing about it is is it takes you know 90 seconds to do it's absolutely free and it sort of gives you a starting point for your own little bit of personal trial and error which is ultimately i think what a lot of you know that's what most committed endurance athletes are willing to do is go out take take this kind of information and then go and trial it in the field and see how they get on yeah and i can confirm this i i just took it myself today as i said and and uh, it seems to give me very a sol- solid advice and and it seems to it makes sense to me intuitively that what the advice that it gives me and the guidelines are what uh, what would make sense for me in terms of sodium intake and hydration so uh, now that let's say that the listeners go out and do this so they know how much they need to get in uh what are the best ways to get sodium in during exercise or racing yeah good question um i used to when i raced there weren't many options or not there weren't so many options and i used to just use either salt just typical salt tablets or the kind of sodium capsules which you see on the market as as well now um the the electrolyte drinks that were available you know 10 15 years ago most of them were pretty low strength around four or five hundred milligrams of sodium per liter and that's actually still the case now a lot of the time most commercial sports drinks are very low actually in their sodium composition because i think there's a there's a funny attitude towards sodium because sodium is a kind of a bad guy in nutrition it's seen as being a bad guy because a lot of people do overeat it in the day-to-day diet and if you're not requiring it and sweating it out it's it could be quite bad for your health so Sometimes I think some of these products keep sodium low because they're selling to athletes who are wanting, in inverted commas, a healthy product. Um, we, so I used to just take um, sodium capsules or salt tablets, and I would I would basically work out how many milligrams I thought I needed. In my case, in an Ironman, it was usually between about one and one and a half grams, or one one thousand one thousand five hundred milligrams per hour, and just take multiples of those tablets and wash them down with water. I found that to be effective. Um, you can, though, you know, you can get the sodium from wherever you like because table salt, which is um, sodium chloride, is in lots of foods. So eating salty foods, if you've got a handle on roughly how much salt's in them and you have a, a target number in mind, you can eat salty foods. And that's a great way of, of getting sodium in before and after training and events for definite i'm not so much of a big fan of eating salty stuff on the move because it's often bulky and difficult to carry can Um, i I interject here and can you also uh, give the listeners a a clarification on the difference between salt and sodium and and what you need to keep in mind when you if you use salt to get your sodium intake sure yeah so sodium is is na the chemical symbol um the the element and sodium chloride is nacl and that's table salt or standard salt that you would find in food products and nacl per per unit volume is about is, is approximately 40 percent sodium and 60 percent chloride so if you've got a thousand milligrams of salt you've only actually got 400 milligrams of sodium and, it, and the sodium is the important bit um, you see a lot of sports products like some of our drinks we use sodium citrate rather than sodium chloride because it has a slightly less overtly salty taste for the very strong products that we make but still delivers a good amount of sodium per unit so when you're reading the packets of things 
it's important it's very important to split out the difference between whether you're reading the sodium value or the sodium chloride value there's a, there's a huge difference in those excellent yeah now keep move down that list uh from uh, from salt and the other ways to get sodium in yeah yeah definitely and then i think you know the the, the way the reason that we make so we so we make a, a couple of ranges of drinks which are either in an effervescent tablet form or in a, a powder format that you mix into plain water and they make they mix up different strengths of electrolytes so we have a, a 250 milligram sodium which is a very light drink which is you know sort of half or less than the standard um, sports drink on the market right up to we do a 500 a thousand and a 1500 milligram strength which which is about three times as strong as a standard drink and for for me you know having i don't race anywhere near as much or as seriously as i used to but the 1500 milligram product is i've found it really useful when i'm doing long distance races now and actually for pre-hydrating before big events because um it's it's just a very convenient way to get sodium in when you're on the move you know you can have a pre-mix bottle you you know it's at the right concentration it tastes good you're inclined to drink it and so that kind of works so in that situation those products work really well and then we also make our own um, sweat salt capsule it's called which is like a little gel capsule with 250 milligrams of sodium in it from sodium citrate and that's something which if you're doing very long races you may you maybe start with your own bottles but you're not going to stop necessarily and mix bottles on the on the go so you then pick up water from aid stations and chase you know the relevant ratio of those capsules down with each bottle of water and that's kind of a good way to do it on the move yeah and uh, what about if you want to combine that fluid and sodium intake with your your calorie intake can you just uh pour those uh that your uh, your products your precision hydration products with with the sodium content into a regular sports drink to to get those calories in at the same time or would you recommend have keeping them separate yeah we we do have quite a few athletes that mix our products especially the effervescent tablets or the capsules they'll mix them into sports drinks which have a lot of calories in to increase the sodium content so they kind of making an all-in-one solution in a bottle so you've got fluid you know electrolyte and calories all in a bottle i some that does work for some people but i'm not a big fan of that approach it didn't never really worked for me particularly well and we do come across a lot of athletes that struggle with that because what you're doing when you put lots and lots of calories and salt and things into the same drink you're you're effectively creating something which is quite thick and syrupy and has quite a, a high osmolality so it's it's often very concentrated and if it gets more concentrated than your blood then you're in you really struggle to absorb it at a fast rate through the gut into the bloodstream um that that's not a problem in shorter events but as longer events go on you end up drinking more and more or if it's very hot and you're drinking a lot you can really bung your stomach up and bung your guts up with thick syrupy drinks and feel quite nauseous and quite bloated i i definitely remember drinking a lot of you know gatorade kind of the the, the full um sugar standard gatorade when i was doing a couple of big ironman races particularly in hawaii when it was and it was super hot so i was drinking a lot more than normal and i remember having really bad uh, really bad bloated stomach and feeling very uncomfortable on the bike for a long time because because it wasn't clearing very well and so we we tend to advise and i certainly tend to advise people to predominantly either drink water and take the sodium capsules or um, drink a very light hypotonic 
electrolyte drink as the source of fluids and get the calories from things like solid foods, bars, gels, um, you know, jelly beans, whatever the whatever your preferred source of calories is. And what that does, that does two things. It allows you to keep the fluids very light and thin and easy to absorb, which the stomach and the gut really like. It also allows you to dial up and down the calories versus the fluids and electrolytes on any given day based on your needs. And that's important because on a on a really cold day, you might have a relatively high requirement for calories but a very low requirement for electrolytes and fluids. So if that's the case and you're getting all of it from a drink, you're going to have to drink a lot more than you feel like you need to just to get the calories in. On the flip side, if it's a really, really hot day, you might drink three, four, five times more than you do on a cold day, but that doesn't mean you need three, four or five times more calories. So the amount that you eat can be tuned in as well. So, yeah, I think that for me, the best approach is, you know, calories are solid foods and gels and bottles of hydration and electrolytes yeah that's that all makes sense um but just to offer some uh some context to we on that interview with jesse kropolniki that that we had he mentioned having athletes practice for for a year or for two years to be able to absorb a lot of of liquid that said as you say you need to take the uh, the ambient temperature into account and and you can't can't just go out and, and drink the same amount in in any given weather but but if you let's say that kona is what you're practicing for then you don't necessarily even though you right now can't absorb x amount of of uh, of a sports drink then maybe a year from now you can and that's not to yeah. say that either one of you is is right or wrong but just that there are some uh, th- there are gr- great nu- nuances of this and and uh, people can take away a lot from from both and they're not opposing views either but more i, I would say complementing but uh, but that would be episode 40 for the listeners to go because it's very much related to this episode as well uh, yeah so- yeah that makes that makes a lot of sense because you know I, I definitely we do for sure come across athletes who who can tolerate lots of liquid calories and i've got i've got people that we work with who pile our products into bottles which have a huge amount of calories and and are very thick and i i you know i know in myself i would really struggle with them but they seem to thrive on them and i actually think that the ability you know that having the the, the gastric emptying and the fluid the fluid and calorie absorption in the gut is a big part of if you like your talent for endurance or not and it is probably something that you can train yeah all right so let's move on to one more important question uh, related to this topic so we talked about how to get your sodium in but what about when do you need it of course during races and and longer training sessions but what about before races and training and what about after yeah before races is especially is a huge one because that's where we see people's hydration strategies start to unravel right at the start and a lot of that comes down to the fact that before big races people get nervous about hydration especially if the weather's going to be hot and they they have a tendency to start drinking a few days before drinking lots of water or lots of sports drinks and drinking you know way too much in fact um they 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 think that they need to be going to the toilet a lot and it needs to be the pee needs to be clear because that means they're really well hydrated but in actual fact if you overdo it what you end up with is a situation where you start to flush electrolytes out of your body. Your body kicks out a lot of urine because you're trying to, it's trying not to hold on to excess fluid and you, you can almost end up mildly hyponatremic before you start. And I'm sure that's a, actually a bigger problem than people realize before events. So we, we, 
we definitely recommend that in the last, you can't hold on to much extra fluid, but in the last 48 hours, if you drink something, uh, the, the drink we recommend is obviously our precision hydration 1500 strength, which is very, has a high amount of electrolytes, high enough so that your, your body will, will pull some of the sodium in them into the bloodstream, pull a little bit, little bit of extra fluid in with it when you drink it and hold it there, um, rather than peeing it out because it's trying to keep that blood sodium level balanced and we we normally recommend something like 500 milliliters or 16 ounces of that the night or the evening before a big race and another similar amount on the morning of a, a big race finishing it about an hour before the start and that as long as your hydration practices around that are fairly decent and normal you don't need to do a lot more than that in terms of getting some fluid on board to be very well topped up but i still see you know a lot of athletes kind of overdoing the fluids beforehand and actually probably it's probably counterproductive for them in many ways yeah that's perfect and uh yeah i'm i've probably been guilty of that myself uh, that uh, for sure you notice that you when you need to go and pee seven times in the last couple of hours or three hours before a race then that's probably uh, overdoing it a little bit i would yeah assume. definitely yeah 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 well, and in, in terms in terms of recovery um after events i think again it it's the same principle really there's there's a very strong correlation in all the studies that have been done there's a very strong correlation between the amount of sodium that's in a drink and how well your body retains that fluid when you drink it so after an event you should definitely be guided a bit by your taste buds because sometimes i finish an event and if i'm very very dehydrated i feel actually very thirsty for plain water because your that's your body's way of telling you that the salt levels in the blood are rising because it's becoming more concentrated and you need to dilute it down so it might be that at first you want just want to drink plain water but then in the hours afterwards we we usually recommend some some of the stronger electrolyte drinks just just drunk to taste and just drink to how much you feel like you need but they will rehydrate you a lot faster than relying on water alone yeah, that's a great great tip and something that I think that most probably aren't aware of. So so that's uh, very helpful. Uh, one thing that I want to cover still is cramps. We mentioned how sodium can have a big impact on cramps, but uh, it's a big question. And I think that sodium is probably not the only reason. What, what's your current take on cramps and, and why they occur? Yeah, that's a huge and controversial sort of topic, isn't it? Because a lot of people have different opinions. But if, you know, if I can put a plug in for it, we did a, a pretty big blog on that on our website. And we have a hydration advice tab on precisionhydration.com. And there's a big cramping blog on there, which I can't kind of regurgitate everything that's in it now. But it, that's a, that's an interesting thing to read. But in essence, I think there are there are so there is so much. Um, rich anecdote and some scientific evidence as well to support the idea that extreme sodium loss or extreme sodium dilution in the body does or can you know influence and cause muscle cramps and so many stories of athletes who when they get their sodium balance right like myself you know we i find that if i get it wrong i it leads to cramps if i get it right the cramps go away so it's kind of a the, describing the mechanism which causes that is is potentially really difficult but there's a, a very strong you know relationship between the two so we i would never you know never in a million years suggest that electrolyte balance is the only cause of muscle cramps i've had muscle cramps so i've jumped 
into cold water at the start of a race you know where it's clearly not to do with electrolyte loss it's just to do with your body tensing up very fast and kind of going into a bit of shock and there are there's other muscle cramps that people get that are more related to fatigue and neuromuscular problems but i definitely think that if if you if you're someone who gets cramps and if you get them particularly in the heat particularly in long endurance events and particularly late on when you're becoming depleted in terms of you know having high sweat outputs and not adequate replacement then looking at your sodium and fluid balance is a very good place to start yeah perfect i just found your your article on your blog and uh, we're going to link up to this in the in the show notes as you say it looks very comprehensive and uh, uh definitely something that i think will interest the listeners um cool. so i think that's uh about it for in terms of my questions for you about regarding uh your precision hydration products and uh and sodium cramps and all sorts of things we have some rapid fire questions still do you have anything else that you want to add for these topics that we we've been discussing today before we get no, into that i don't think there's anything specific michael just just to say though that we as a as a business precision hydration we don't think of ourselves as a, a product and a, a, a drink company we're we're a kind of an athlete consultancy really and we we enjoy getting questions via the website or via facebook and twitter and things like that from athletes so if anyone wants to look us up via the website or via you know our twitter account is at the sweat experts and you know any of anyone who's listening who thinks they've got questions that they want to ask us i would encourage them to interact because we will we'll always try and get back to them and you know answer them on a one-to-one basis yeah great excellent So the rapid fire questions that I have for you is first, what's your favorite book, blog or resource related to triathlon or endurance sports? Um, I actually, um, I think for, for overall a bit of everything, I really like slowtwitch.com. You get good, you get good, well-researched articles on there, up-to-date news, some controversial opinion, there's forums. So I'm kind of an avid slowtwitch.com reader. Yeah, great. What's your favorite piece of gear or equipment? Um, when I was racing, it was a power meter on the bike. That that was brilliant for me. Really enjoyed getting into the numbers on that. And finally, what's the favorite race that you've done? In recent years, it's been the actually been the swim run world championships, the Ertula in Sweden, the this yeah the long distance swim run. That was brilliant. Yeah, I hoped you were going to say that. I, I saw that you you have been dabbling into that, and uh, I've been doing one of those myself. And I'm actually going to participate in the Finnish national championships uh, this September. Fantastic. And uh, it's it's a great sport. And and you you Brits have have been uh, taking it up pretty uh, a lot in in the last couple of years, I think. So so it's great to see that it's spreading from its uh, origins in Sweden, and then probably Finland, my country, is uh, has been the second largest country for swim runs but but i think that uh, the uk will soon overtake all of us because it's um, spreading like wildfire yeah it is we, we there's a lot of people who are either used to do triathlon who are still doing it and it's just a, a great fun diversion basically yeah perfect all right so you mentioned a few but uh, just to recap where can the listeners uh, connect with you and with uh, precision hydration so our website's um, precisionhydration.com the The best email address, if they want to contact us directly, is just hello at precisionhydration.com. They, we're on um, we're on social media, all the usual, you know, Instagram, uh, Facebook, and Twitter. It's usually at Precision Hydration, except for on Twitter, where we're at the Sweat Experts. 
Perfect. And everything will be linked up in the show notes so that people can find find it easily. All right. So this has been Andy Blow. Thank you for coming on the show, Andy. It was a pleasure talking to you. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Thanks a lot. And there you have it. As I said in the interview, I took that online sweat test myself and I'll be using those results in the upcoming Olympic distance national championships, which are less than two weeks from now by the time that you hear this episode. Uh, Since the distance is shorter, Olympic distance, the primary tactic here is to use the PH1500 during my preloading and uh, hydration in the day before and days before the, the actual race, just as we talked about on the interview, to make sure I arrive hydrated and with all my sodium requirements covered and not so much hydrating or focusing on that during the actual race maybe a little bit in I'll, I'll add to one of my to a sports drink bottle but but the primary tactic is the preloading phase and i'll report on how that goes and um, yeah that will be good I, I will be using precision hydration products for that test boy time really flies when you're having fun and the next episode is episode 50 So it'll be a special episode with a compilation of great nuggets that we've heard in the first 49 episodes. So I haven't done that yet, but I'm excited for doing that and putting it together. Massive shout out to everybody who has been sending in ratings and reviews. That has really helped me grow the show a lot recently. And it's now been listened to in more than 90 countries, which is insane to think of for a niche subject like triathlon. Uh, and uh, I'm super grateful for that. I want to read a recent one that came in in the uh, from the United Kingdom team. Rush writes excellent five stars. Covers many aspects of triathlon, but without excessive hype. It is entertaining and informative, and based as far as possible on research rather than subjective opinion. Good format, easy to listen to, and I always learn something. What's not to like? Well, thank you a lot, Team Rush, for that. And if you agree with this and would like to send in your own rating and review, then you can do so. If you don't know know how to do it, then I have step-by-step instructions on scientifictriathlon.com forward slash rate, and it will only take you a minute. The show notes for this episode will be on thattriathlonshow.com. As always, remember that you can send me emails with feedback, questions, tell me what I should be doing better to michael at scientifictriathlon.com and that's Michael with a K. I really, really look forward to talking to you again on Thursday in the special episode 50. Until then, keep training smart and keep loving triathlon.